0: Hi there hope you had a fabulous thanksgiving if you are in the states and you celebrated and if not i hope all is well in your world just a couple of quick things before we get into today's episode i wanted to let you know that the holiday continues in terms of a cyber monday offering from me So basically everything in my online hormone school, Get Your Hormones Right, is 25% off until, let's see, Wednesday, which is tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this. So the end of Wednesday, you can get any of the classes and webinars and programs, anything you want for 25% off if you put in code HOLIDAY at checkout. So all you have to do is go to christinegarvin.com and just scroll on down. You'll see the um, offerings right there. We've got our um, everything from Hormone Basics to... Um, thyroid and adrenal health, gut health, fibroids, soul lessons, and support all the good stuff covering the whole gamut of your health and well being, particularly when it comes to your hormone health. So, go check that out if you haven't, you know, been to any of my classes or webinars before. There are a lot of Um, 30 minute options on there to really get you going. So you can sort of get to know me a little bit better and how um, I teach, see if it's your style. So um, those are normally just $19. So 25% off of that, whatever that is, go ahead and grab that while you can. And the other thing I wanted to remind everyone that the waitlist for Hormone Breakthrough Blueprint is open and you can also access that by going to my website, You'll see it at the very top of the page. It's a nice little blue line you can sign up for the waitlist there. So if you're on the waitlist, if you already were on it, then you know that you had an opportunity to grab one of the first three spots during this past holiday weekend for a hugely discounted rate of what it's going to be when the program launches at the uh, beginning of the year. So being on the wait list is getting you in the know and getting you opportunities that won't be there for the live launch that's going to happen at the beginning of january so just fyi those three spots went fast this is going to be a 15 person max program because i want a nice tight-knit group to be in there together supporting each other. So there is going to be another opportunity for waitlist participants to get in the program before it launches in early January, and it's going to be a discounted rate. Not quite as good a discount rate as what was available this last weekend, but it is going to be a discounted rate. And I'm really excited because I'm actually going to bring something new to it this time. Um, There's a few new things, but one of the things that I'm super pumped about is something that I've just brought into my practice, and it is the AO scan, which is a bioresonance machine. So every participant is going to have a chance to get their uh, energy scanned, and it tells us all kinds of stuff from food sensitivities, to bacteria and parasites, to um, blood health markers. I mean, it's super comprehensive and helps with that energetic healing level as we also focus, of course, on the physical things that you need to do to support your hormones and the emotional things that you need to do to support your hormones. But this is really rounding it out. So excited, so excited to share it with all the participants this time around. So this is something that you either have to be doing one-on-one work with me or being in the hormone breakthrough blueprint in order to access so again get on the wait list now you will be the first to know i will give you a hint that it will be sometime in december and it's a great time to start thinking about yourself for the next year and getting your health on track, getting your hormones on track so that you can feel a crap load better than you currently are and that you can really take on so much more in your life in terms of the things that you want to be doing in your life in 2023 and not just taking on more things that suck you dry, right? I am really interested in empowering women to get their hormones really, I don't even like to call it under control because... That sounds like we're just trying to like strap it down and make it work. You know, basically, we're trying to heal our relationship with our hormones because our hormones are who we are and they are our energy, they are our well being, they are our cyclical nature. It's all of these things. And to actually forge a beautiful relationship with our hormones changes everything in your life, right? It is a true game changer. And that is what what and why I do this program and what I want to offer to every woman that signs up for this program. So If you are interested in that, and that sounds good to you. It's 12 weeks of you're going to learn so much about your hormones. You're just going to come out just like, wow, how did I not ever learn any of this information in my life, right? And you're going to do it as a part of a supportive group with live calls every Thursday with guest experts, really helping to define things that can sometimes be hard and they make it sound easy. So go ahead to the website christengarvin.com, go to the top and click on the want to be the first to know about when hormone breakthrough blueprint launches blue tab at the top and add your list there finally I would love, 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 love during this holiday season if you took just a moment. I know we're super busy, but if you took just a moment, if you're a longtime listener or even if you're a new listener and you really enjoy this episode to go into either if you're listening on iTunes, um, you have to do it, I believe, on your phone in the app go to the reviews leave us a five-star review if you can just do that that's great if you can leave a little um you know a sentence or two saying why you love the podcast that is fantastic and you know my birthday is coming up on december 25th and that would be a great birthday present for me um, if you have the time to do that and you know i know it takes a moment so i appreciate you taking the time and if you're on spotify i don't think you can write anything but you can definitely do a five star review. So that helps the podcast more than anything else. I want this to continue to grow to get to more and more women throughout the world. It's crazy when I look sometimes at, you know, the analytics for this podcast and I don't know, it's been listened to in something like 60 plus countries and I love looking and seeing the areas that people are listening to the podcast because this is not just about empowering women in the U.S., right? This is about empowering women throughout the world and understanding their bodies and working with their cycles. So you help make that happen by leaving a review. That's really the best way to make that happen, to spread to more women, to help empower them in their lives. And we know throughout the world that there are many women that are oppressed um, and you don't have a lot of access to information. So, you know, the more that we get that out there, the more that we are really helping throughout our whole history and time and women and um, keep moving forward as we are shifting and changing this world to a better place. So, okay, enough about that. Today, I am talking with Eliza Hipple, who is Um, got a very interesting story of her own, and she does um, great work too on using ancestral diets to help with a whole host of diseases. And we really talk about the gamut of you know, um, what it can help you with. And I've certainly seen um, some of these ancestral diets really help people. Um, But then also how it can impact your hormones, which is, you know, um, not always the best. So we kind of cover all of that information so that you can really make a good decision on what is right for you. And, um, you know, particularly looking at these diets as like healing diets that can be life savers and changers and then what what things look like over the long term. So I will without further ado let you hop into today's episode and I will see you soon. Hey there and welcome to hormonally speaking. I'm your host Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Hormonally Speaking. So happy that you are here with us. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. And if you've been a long-time listener, welcome too. We're going to have a really good conversation today. Um, some stuff we've covered a little bit on the podcast before in terms of um, t- taking care of your pelvic health and, of course, dietary approaches. But we're going to talk about how some of that is connected. And we're also going to cover some really interesting things things in an area that I feel like is not talked about a lot. I think I've covered it, my personal experience with it a little bit at one point and that's oxalates. So if you don't know what those are, Don't worry, you're going to know what they are by the end of the episode. So today's guest is Eliza Hippel, who is a certified nutritional consultant who is passionate about helping individuals struggling with autoimmune and chronic illness. Eliza has her master's degree in physical therapy and has been working as a physiotherapist for the last four years. Eliza also works as a personal trainer focused on active rehab and promoting health through physical exercise. After years of working with clients, noticing a lot of chronic health issues, Eliza started Started studying ancestral diets as a way to heal from some of these chronic issues eliza uses protocols like the gaps which is a gut and physiology syndrome carnivore keto and paleo as tools to improve health from the inside out she is passionate about spreading awareness on the role of nutrition to optimize our health and you can find her at ehwellness.co. welcome
1: hi i'm so happy to be here
0: I'm so happy that you're here to talk to us today. Um, You know, as we were kind of talking about before we got on, um, you have kind of an interesting story with what has gotten you to focus even more on nutrition, even just this year, even though I know you were practicing nutrition before that. But um, tell us a little bit about your story and how you find yourself where you are today.
1: Yeah, for sure. So. I'm originally from Edmonton, but I moved to Vancouver and lived there for two years. And it was kind of when I started um, when I first moved there. I started feeling really unwell mm. and I didn't really understand why. So, kind of having the background that I do in physiotherapy and health and wellness, I started researching a ton on diets and mm. how. Diets impact our health. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to a bunch of podcasts and there were a few things that started kind of clicking, standing out for me. And one of the symptoms that I was dealing with at the time was chronic um, yeast infections Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. infections. And so I had been on a number of antibiotics. Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) And, And you're kind of, it's unfortunate because when you get the infection, you're kind of in this fight or flight. like right. You need to deal with it now. There's yeah. no other way. Yeah. So you go to the doctor and they prescribe you the antibiotics without really giving much indication as to why you're getting those recurrent infections.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so while I was in Vancouver, I, you know, I started not feeling the best, really extreme fatigue. And I realized that oxalates might be an issue mm-hmm. for me. And so I- before
0: you continue, can you tell people what oxalates are if they haven't heard of them before?
1: Yes, for mm-hmm. sure. So oxalates are essentially an anti-nutrient found in many plant foods and they bind to calcium. So they're oxalate calcium crystals, Mm -hmm. essentially. And when you ingest them, your body has to break down the oxalates. And what's interesting is many of the antibiotics that we take, specifically for bladder infections, they degrade that bacteria Mm. that breaks down the oxalates.
2: Mm -hmm. So...
1: And a lot of the high oxalate foods are the quote unquote health foods.
0: Right. Like so, kale oh, is, yeah. a, is a big example, right? Exactly. Yeah,
1: Exactly. Kale, spinach, um, uh, chocolate, cacao, potatoes, cinnamon. All of these, uh, many spices are really high oxalate.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: if we're unaware of our total consumption, the body naturally is going to protect you because the oxalates lay down in your joints, tissues, if it can't be excreted fast enough. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And it can also lay down an in injured tissue. Mm. If you do have an injury, the oxalates will often bind to that is kind of what the consensus is. Yeah. Um, so
0: it's life. like making that even worse when you already yeah. have pain going on in a particular area.
1: Yes, exactly. So, and I actually noticed um, cloudy urine for a while and I didn't really understand why. And it wasn't until I started reducing the oxalate load or the mm. oxalate consumption that that all started improving. For
0: gotcha. Me. So were you having consistently cloudy um, urine or was it just like on occasion?
1: Um. So the... Cloudy alert urine was for about a year and a half. Oh, actually.
0: wow. Like every time you peed, pretty much. Every
1: time I peed, but there was no pain necessarily, um, unless there was an infection. And mm. what I know now is that the oxalates are essentially, they form those calcium oxalate crystals, right? So when they're leaving through the kidneys and the bladder, they're causing this micro trauma
0: to the Mm platter that makes
1: you more susceptible
0: for interesting yeah that makes sense
1: and the thing with oxalates and this is why it can be really helpful to work with somebody who is knowledgeable in this is that you can't just completely cut them out right it's actually quite dangerous and to be honest, I did that and (laughs) and regretted it (laughs) oh yeah i ended up um with a kidney infection
2: actually (sighs) um
1: and then also not knowing i had a shoulder tear rotator cuff tear at the time Mm -hmm. and when i did an ultrasound it showed calcium oxalate crystals which doesn't really make sense in a two-month-old injury
2: right right as
1: young and active as i am Mm mm-hmm So it was a huge learning experience
2: because,
1: you know, you're kind of discovering all this for the first time. You slowly have to almost lower the oxalate load, detox out of um, consuming these oxalate rich foods slowly Mm. um, Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. supporting the body in other ways because Mm. when your body is detoxing, from anything, it's, it's leaching, it's pulling out your vitamins and minerals as a way to protect you.
0: Yeah. Uh, So, you know, um, I definitely want to get into talking about, you know, how you found that out that you were high in oxalates and everything. But one of the things that I, you know, like, in testing, they'll recommend this sometimes, like using calcium citrate, magnesium citrate and taking that with
1: the foods that you're eating that are high oxalates is that true definitely Mm -hmm. i'm not i don't recommend calcium citrate as much as magnesium citrate Mm -hmm. um i think as long as you're taking you know a citrate it's going to help break down some of those oxalates and mm. then pairing it more with calcium-rich foods. Mm, and it's it. it's interesting because many of the traditional dietary or um, traditional dishes that have high oxalate foods such as spinach, for mm-hmm. example,
2: mm-hmm. there's
1: um, an East Indian dish called Palak paneer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's the um, sauteed spinach with the cheese. Cheese, yeah. And it's done in such a way where it's very, very smart in the sense that they're pairing this mm-hmm. high oxalate food. They're first sauteing it so it breaks down mm-hmm. the oxalate, and then mm-hmm. they're pairing it with the calcium so the calcium can then bind to the oxalates and it's not
0: interesting,
1: it's not um building up uh, in the- as
0: much, right? It's like the traditional cultures and traditional ways of eating were so intelligent and continue to be so intelligent right beyond what we understand um but you know i I do want to make that point because particularly things like spinach and kale that we've gotten into this you know idea that eating them raw like thrown in a smoothie all of that is you know healthy for us and as you just mentioned, it's like you, if you are eating those foods, you want to be cooking them so that it is breaking down those oxalates or some of those oxalates and some of the other anti nutrients, right? That, that, um, vegetables, not all vegetables, but some vegetables have, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, definitely. And then I think it speaks to eating seasonally mm-hmm. because naturally, if you were to eat seasonally, you'd only be exposed to those particular compounds or anti nutrients mm. for a period of time. And then your body can then, you know, get, get rid
0: of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
1: It, it's so funny you say about the smoothies, because when I moved to Vancouver, I started having spinach mango smoothies every day. <laughs> and And you're
0: like, there it is.
1: And it it (laughs) all makes sense looking back, but I had no idea. And here I was in the health and wellness space for about five years, not realizing all these kind of compounds or properties with the foods and how they can really impact the body.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And let's talk a little bit about the oat test, which I just want to, uh, you know, before you kind of explain it, um, I will say that I have been trained in and utilized too. And that's actually where I first learned that I had higher oxalates. It wasn't crazy high, but it was high. And it also had on there the genetic marker, um, for being genetically predisposed to it. Although I will say, just as a caveat, I did do separate genetic testing, and I did not show it on there as being um, an issue. Actually, histamine ended <laughs> being an issue on my <laughs> genetic test. But I do think it's fascinating. And it wasn't crazy high on the oats, so that you know kind of makes sense, um, the genetic marker. But I do think it's really cool that through this test, we can see how those oxalates are doing. And then as I would love for you to talk about what oxalates can be often found, you know, alongside, um, which also is showing on those tests. So take it away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the OATS test is, I believe, the gold standard for oxalate testing from Great Plains Laboratory. Mm-hmm. I also did the OATS test, um, which didn't show higher end
2: mm, mm-hmm. um
1: and what the mm-hmm, what the oats test also shows is any fungal markers um or candida kind of yeast overgrowth and then i believe some heavy metals Let me
2: some... they they
0: have detoxification uh, markers on there so it can kind of like point to, particularly if you're having problems with detoxification, which we know if you're having problems with detoxification, then heavy metals are probably going to be an issue. Um, But yeah, they have the yeast, they have clostridia which is a, you know, strain of bacteria that can definitely wreak some havoc. Um, And then I love it too, because it has the B vitamins. So you can really see B vitamin levels in the body and B vitamins are so important when it comes to detoxification, liver health. Um, And then, yeah, a bunch of other like uh, mitochondrial markers and things like that too. So it's a very comprehensive and in-depth test.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And definitely having the background because even when I did my test I didn't recognize on the test that it was showing high levels of mold
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: so it is very much there's an art to reading. oh my
0: goodness yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> it
0: takes a while of like you keep having to practice reading that test right because mm-hmm. you yeah you learn so much over time the interconnections
1: yeah yeah so I guess caveat if because you can order the test as a patient, so you yeah. don't necessarily need a practitioner, but if yeah. you- Don't do it. Are, yeah, <laughs> if you are doing that, work with a practitioner uh-huh. Uh-huh. To, to interpret the results. Yeah. Um, but going back to your question about kind of what you often see is that triangle with higher oxalate yeast um, or fungal overgrowth, and mm-hmm. then that can also be linked To a buildup of heavy metals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so those three things kind of work together, and it can be hard to get out of that cycle because they all impact the other. So they're impacting the microbiome health, your ability to detoxify. Mm -hmm. um, And then when you are getting elevated levels of the fungal overgrowth or heavy metals, um, it's harder to break the oxalates down it's it's kind of this cyclical cycle um but it I guess I should say like it can feel maybe overwhelming for somebody learning about oxalates and coming to the realization that okay this might be impacting me this and the same thing happened to me as I heard it in a podcast and it kind of spoke to me I was. I thought, okay, I need to look more into this. And the more that I looked into it, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this mm-hmm. this is more people need to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's definitely it,
0: something that's not talked about enough, in yes. my opinion. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and I think even the medical system, we just don't have the knowledge. They're mm-hmm. not. Nobody is trained in it. I was even talking to a urologist. Yeah and I asked them about calcium oxalate crystals yeah. and the extent of the knowledge was, well, they form kidney stones. Right. But what about before the stone forms? Right, exactly. It's like,
0: they it. know it's happening because they know that that's what it's made of, you know? So it's like, can we <laughs> reach beyond it just being this fully formed stone out of nowhere?
1: <laughs> it, well, exactly. And if it's already reached the point of a uh, kidney stone formation, I can, I can pretty much say that it's definitely, you know, caused issues in other areas of the body and everyone is different in terms of how the body detoxifies and how um, the body deals with it. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're kind of new to learning about oxalates, a good um, Facebook group is actually trying low oxalate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and they have a lot of good resources on there it's easy to get lost in the weeds but just kind of introducing yourself to okay what are some of these high oxalate foods and how many on a daily basis am i consuming right Right. and then from a symptom perspective do i do i have recurrent bladder infections do i have recurrent yeast infections or Mm -hmm. fungal Mm
2: -hmm. infections Mm
1: -hmm. um and how's my kidney health so look at kidney health i think another common symptom is joint pain Mm -hmm. um so the oxalates can build up in the joints joints, so if you're somebody who has just that yeah constant Mm -hmm. joint pain especially around the sacrum Mm -hmm. i would say the pelvic region um Mm -hmm. low back Mm-hmm. kind of a constant inflammation there bilateral so both sides okay um, and you've been on many antibiotics
0: there it so is looking yeah at
1: that full yep. picture. i mean it goes
0: back again and again right to the microbiome um and unfortunately how many of us are have been so impacted in our lifetimes by antibiotics because i mean i don't think i've ever met anyone that's only had them once or definitely not had them at all. You know, I mean, most of us have multiple rounds of antibiotics in our lifetime. And then if you pile on top of that, being on birth control pills, you know, I just taught a class this week um, at a local college and I brought up that birth control impacts our microbiome, you know, and all of these like 19 and 20 year old girls were like, <gasps> you know? and it, because we're not taught that, right. Then that these essentially act very similarly to antibiotics. And so you have to think about how much, um, I don't mean to be all dim and you know grim about it, but like how hard it is for our poor tummies, (laughs) for our poor microbiomes, right? How much damage has been done. And so there's almost always work that has to be done to rebuild that good gut flora. And you see, you know, case in point, like the fact that you are not going to be degrading oxalates as well, because you don't have that good bacteria that's working to break it down, you know? So it's like, we can't even... Quantify or qualify how many different things in our body the microbiome impacts, right? (laughs) Like it's so many things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of our life force in a way, right? Like Mm -hmm. if our gut isn't doing well, we don't feel well. Right. Our immune system isn't functioning well.
0: We can't detoxify well because Mm -hmm. it's like even though your liver and your kidneys are, you know, doing sort of the breakdown of everything you're a lot of it has to go out your gut and if your gut's messed up it ain't gonna get out right it recirculates yeah yeah yeah
1: definitely and i think that's what kind of drew me into the ancestral diet Mm -hmm. and looking at those really nutrient-rich foods Mm -hmm. to kind of get ahead
2: Mm -hmm. because
1: not only have many of us undergone antibiotics We're also eating foods that have such poor nutritional value. Yeah. And I mean, even eating organic, it's like, like, I remember when I was younger and getting into fitness, I was eating chicken breast, rice, and like some sort of vegetable Mm -hmm. every day. Mm hmm. And the nutritional value of that's actually very, very low.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and so that's what I found fascinating. And I'm really starting to feel the difference eating these nutrient-rich foods. Mm-hmm. Um where we're going back to nose to tail eating, we're eating some of the organ meats, mm-hmm. we're eating the fat on the meat, the fats, some of the most nutrient rich part, mm-hmm. supporting the immune system, supporting the epithelial lining of our mm-hmm. gut. Mm-hmm. Um, and so also while we're detoxifying, we're getting enough nutrients to right. allow that process to occur.
2: Right.
1: Um, And if you are somebody who does have that higher toxic load, definitely you're going to be depleted a lot quicker of nutrients. So consuming a high nutrient diet is critical.
0: Super important. Yeah. So how did you end up, you know, going on the path of ancestral diets? And can you maybe explain further, you know, if people haven't heard that word ancestral diets, like what are some of the options that are out there in that world?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the term ancestral has kind of become a buzzword recently, Mm -hmm. Um, but it really speaks to traditional ways of eating.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Every culture has their deep-rooted traditions Mm -hmm. of food based around food, food, like rituals, and that was kind of how I started was I was researching different tribes, actually, some of the Musai mm, in Africa, mm-hmm. Tanzania, the Hadza.
2: Nice. Um,
1: and I also stumbled into GAPS, which is stands for gut and psychology syndrome Mm -hmm. or there's a new book gut and physiology syndrome Mm -hmm. by dr natasha campbell mcbride Mm -hmm. and she's a russian neurologist that got her medical designation in nutrition Mm -hmm. and she had come up with this protocol to essentially heal her son from autism Mm -hmm. and all of the and as the diet has progressed over the years a lot of families would come on board and do the diet with their son or daughter and they noticed that they were recovering from a lot of autoimmune issues Mm -hmm. schizophrenia um just kind of arthritis Mm -hmm. so many so many illnesses that the medical system has deemed as kind of incurable right and that really inspired me to look further into it. Um, but essentially, it also goes back to the traditional styles of eating, where we're eating foods that are homemade. Mm-hmm. We're getting we're prioritizing high quality animal products, mm-hmm. um, animal and not to say that you necessarily need the animal foods, but there's such a huge benefit nutritionally speaking
2: Mm
1: -hmm. to those foods Um, and and then just getting back to traditional ways of preparing so a lot of soups, broths, um, really cooking the foods making it easy for the body to digest Mm -hmm. especially when you are in more of a chronic illness state Mm -hmm. Um, and then a lot of fermented foods to help support that healthy microbiome. Um, So that was kind of, yeah, it started with the gaps. I had done that for about six months. And then I transitioned into more kind of keto gaps. And then I also tried carnivore. Mm -hmm. And all of them you learn so much from. I Mm -hmm. think at the end of the day, they're used as tools um, to kind of reset the body and also reduce toxic load. Yeah. I think yep.
0: that. And, and I'll just explain for those that you know, probably most people at this point know what keto is. Although I, I think there's different ideas around keto and keto is really more it, fat is the focus, like high fat, you know? So sometimes I think people will think paleo and keto are very similar when paleo is really focused more on that high protein, though different people approach it different ways. Right. So some It tends to be definitely higher protein, but the carb ratio can kind of like (laughs) be higher or lower depending on who you talk to versus carnivore. I have had somebody on the podcast before. If you want to go back and listen to that episode, anyone, um, I think it was in season two, two or three Anyway, So we talked in depth about carnivore if you want to know more, but basically carnivore is eating. If you're doing it strictly, it's a hundred percent meat so i think a lot of people are like but really like all meat and it's like yes 100% meat like you're not eating any vegetables you're not some people don't even you know consume honey or spices or anything like that right it's just 100% meat so just to clarify for everybody who's listening who may not know what those those things mean mhm yeah
1: yeah it was interesting doing carnivore in the sense I actually I felt quite good Mm -hmm. Um, and going from keto to carnivore I felt a lot better doing carnivore over Mm -hmm.
2: keto keto. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, and yeah it's one of it's one of those things where again I think it's just coming down to reducing the toxic load so Mm -hmm. if you are somebody who maybe is reacting to some of the anti-nutrients found in the plants or you know you've been following a somewhat healthy balanced mm-hmm. diet but you still don't feel good mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. trying
1: something like carnivore or keto can be helpful
2: mm-hmm.
1: for a period of time and then you start to reintroduce those um those foods back. And as women too it's different than a man trying mm-hmm. carnivore and mm-hmm. I, i'm sure you've kind of heard this um, just with our hormones, I think there can be a lot of value in having those carbohydrate yeah. foods yeah, um, At- over the long term.
0: Yeah, definitely. After working with women for the last several years, I found that a consistent low carb diet is not good for our cycle. Most women will lose their cycle. Um, they'll end up having, you know, other issues. So I know it's tough because a lot of women do feel better on these diets um, for a while, you know, and, and it can be a long while. They can still feel great, but not have a period. And that is an issue, of course, like we, you know, um, not even the period so much, um, you know, I always try and refocus people on ovulation is actually the important part of our cycle. You know, the period is just a signal that we're sloughing off, uterine lining, you know, and um, you may or may not have ovulated, you can still have your period, even if you didn't ovulate, you know, so we care about the ovulation, because that gives us that sweet, sweet progesterone. And we're not going to have that progesterone without ovulating. So of course, it's important if you're a cycling woman, to keep ovulating. You know, I I do find that so many of the studies and I actually wrote about this recently for intermittent fasting, you know, most of the studies and stuff that are out there are on men's bodies, right? Still to this day, it's like the uh, you know, they're like, "Oh, sorry, there's it's too hard with women because of your fluctuating hormones to study you." You know, and so not helpful at all when they're saying, "Oh, these things do this 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 and this and it's so great, but that's for men's bodies who have relatively consistent hormones throughout the month you know so so i do think um it's interesting because when you're talking about being on carnivore i thought about some of my colleagues we got into like a discussion about carnivore one day and our group and everyone that had done it they were like oh my god i felt amazing on it you know so i think it can be hard to step off of that because it's scary after you've been feeling amazing um but the goal ultimately i think in my opinion, is to be sort of as balanced as we can, right? In our, in our foods. And so that we're able to really have something from every part of the food world, you know, but sometimes we need to do um, some, some healing for a little while. And that's why looking at these, and I'm glad you've brought up that point a couple of times that looking at these as sort of temporary healing diets rather than like all right I'm carnivore and that's it for the rest of my life (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah. and I think when we get stuck in that dogmatic way of thinking that we actually lose the ability to tune in Mm -hmm. to what our bodies are telling us Mm -hmm. because it changes just like you're saying day to day Mm -hmm. and as women I think we're even more sensitive to that with yes and and it's actually such a beautiful and powerful thing, because when we are in tune with it, it really guides us yeah. on how how to live our lives, how Absolutely. to eat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that was actually one of the biggest things that I took away from doing these more um, stricter diets. Mm-hmm was that I regained the ability to tune in on what is my body telling me to eat right Mm -hmm. in this moment. Mm -hmm. And I noticed it was aligning with my cycle. And that was such a cool thing because then you're really like living up to your full potential Mm -hmm. in terms of supporting your body, supporting your mind, supporting your hormones, Mm -hmm. how you feel. Um, on a daily basis so that you're living optimally.
0: Yeah. So I have a question for, uh, you know, I think probably representing some people listening and definitely certainly some clients who I've brought up at different points, possibly doing something like carnivore. They're just like, I just don't want to, I don't want to eat meat all the time. Like I'm just not drawn to eating meat all the time. So how do you respond to that?
1: I think it well, it definitely has to be that person's choice. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't ever push anyone to do carnivore. It has to feel right, and I think a lot of times for somebody to choose to do carnivore, they're in a space where they're very ill, mm-hmm. they're not feeling good mm-hmm. and it can sometimes be out of desperation mm-hmm. like cry, you know I'm committing to trying these different things so mm-hmm. that I feel better mm-hmm. um That's if true. somebody just wanted to do it for the fun of it to see yeah then you know that would be fine but I think in a lot of cases when that individual chooses to do it long term it's because they really are not feeling good That's and a good there point is something underlying yeah, yeah there's something underlying there
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I do like to note with, you know, carnivore, I think it happens with keto too, that they call it the, I don't know, it has some kind of name, keto flu or something. Yeah. And I definitely know with carnivore, uh, I mean, my own experience is kind of hard to kind of talk to say that because I lost half my colon. So like things are going to go off, you know, with with my stomach very easily, but I have read this and heard this from other people that particularly in the beginning of going carnivore, because your microbiome has been so used to fiber and, you know, these other foods coming in that it can make things a little cranky <laughs> for the first like couple of weeks or three weeks, you know, you may be using the bathroom more often, so just so that people, know, you know, are aware that that can happen, and that usually it's just a phase, I believe, and then things normalize after that.
1: Yeah, definitely, the increase in meat, protein, mm-hmm. and and fat is mm-hmm. going to change the microbiome, mm-hmm. and the elimination of those starches and fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think. And this is why it, it's helpful to work with somebody is you can't just jump into carnivore. Right. And people and, do. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: yeah. And and like I was saying before, it can actually be quite dangerous mm-hmm. not to scare people. But if your body is not ready to detox, it's it can actually cause damage to yeah. your system. Yeah. and. And to be honest, that's kind of what happened to me was mm-hmm. I had learned about all these things. So I said, okay, let's, let's of, do it. Yeah. Let's yeah. Do it. I'm, yeah, I'm ready. Like I mentally was ready, but my body was not ready. Yeah. And I, like I said, I ended up with that kidney infection. My yeah. hair was falling out. Like all these mm-hmm. things started happening and I didn't have the knowledge and the support mm-hmm. to really understand what was going on until looking back Mm -hmm. and so that's why if you are going to go into something like carnivore you want to be on a lower carb in my opinion way of eating for a period of time Mm -hmm. or be cutting out a lot of these starches and vegetables before you just go cold turkey turkey into it. it
0: yeah 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 it, I mean, and I it, I think this is so true across the board with any kind of, you know, quote unquote detox that you do, right? Because what I've definitely found in my practice is, you know, most of us need some support and opening of our drainage pathways before we truly start to move things, right? Because we want to A, make sure that it is like, moving out of the body and not you know staying in your body and wrecking havoc you know and be doing it as sort of gently as we can right and really kind of like trying your best to take care of your body in you know a good way in this process and like you said it's like our brains are often like let's go like people want to like do it and get it over with You know, and I I often will tell my clients when we step into doing, um, you know, um, like an eradication protocol based off of their GI map and that kind of thing. You know, I'm like, let's start low and slow. You know, we always want to start low and slow and see how your body responds. And they're like, but I want to just get to the, you know, ultimate. And it's like you're going to regret it. <laughs> it's not, you know, like you're not going to feel good. Your poor body's going to be like, uh, uh-uh. you know, it's like, let's, we want to minimize the negative symptoms. You know, there's always going to be a little bit when you first start something, but like, if you're, if it's crazy intense stuff and you're having it, you know, beyond three days, I'm like, all right, you got, you got to pull back. You got to give your body a rest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And to that point looking at lifestyle Mm -hmm. and kind of those daily practices to support the stress associated
2: Mm -hmm.
1: with detoxing stress with life Mm -hmm. and and just being ready from that perspective is like Mm -hmm. you know is your job really stressful right working a lot are you
0: traveling a lot for work or whatever yeah
1: yeah. Are, mm-hmm. Do you have those kind of daily stress management practices where you're doing a bath to support the process? I yeah. think that's so important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Detox support. That's why I always tell people, the physical detox support is what I call it too. Like, you know, like, I mean, we've got the meditation visualization, get into your parasympathetic nervous system component. But then we've got the, like the Epsom salt baths, the castor oil packs, you know, the coffee enemas, all those kinds of things too, that are just going to help you feel a lot better. I just had this with a client where she, you know, didn't want to do coffee enemas and I get it. You know, some people just are like, no, but she was open to a colonic and she did the colonic. She's like, oh my God. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, because, you know, when we're doing some going in and, working on those bad guys, like having a way for them to like really get out of your body is going to make a huge difference.
1: Yep. Yeah. huge. And I must say with the carnivore diet, I found and other people that I've talked to, if somebody is struggling with constipation, mm-hmm. carnivore diet can actually be the method opposed to keto to get, get moving. moving. Yeah. Again. And mm-hmm. it's counterintuitive because mm-hmm we've been taught increase fiber to yep. relieve constipation but if your microbiome and your gut is damaged that fiber can be very irritating and right. actually be slowing things down. things down so yeah very good point we, yeah when we remove the fiber i find it just kind of gets things moving again which is such a good feeling for somebody who has been struggling with constipation
0: i actually much prefer fiber for loose stools um than for constipation like it's like just adding on you know and Um, I I tell people all the time because we have been taught, right, that people think that meat like putrefies in our stomach and just like does it just like doesn't break down and, you know, stays there for seven years and whatever kinds of things have been talked about. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time that think that vegetables are easy to break down and meat is not because I have experience having an ileostomy, which is, you know, my small intestine um, not being connected to my colon and being on the outside of my body. Um, I really got to see how food breaks down in terms of your, <laughs> you know, your, uh, your small intestine and, um, or your stomach and your small intestine. And it's like meat, meat cruise through actually, you know, um, it, it's interestingly enough, it's like, yeah, it was adding those, vegetarian, you know, foods and I wasn't even allowed to eat most vegetables in the beginning because you can get a blockage, you know, from that fiber and all that kind of stuff. And so it's like, no, in fact, the vegetables are much harder to break down. I'm not saying that we don't, you know, that they're not useful and that they're not good, but it's the opposite, I think, of what a lot of people think. And so, you know, it makes perfect sense to me that carnivore would like make you go because... <laughs> I was just like, meat would just go right through me. And <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, there it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> In the pudding. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so when did you transition off of carnivore and how did you do it?
1: Yeah, so I started not feeling as good after a few months on mm-hmm. carnivore. Mm-hmm. And I think that was my hormones speaking mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And so I transitioned off more back to keto, mm-hmm. um, having some carbs, but more in the form of fruit. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling really good having the fruit. I remember the first day after a couple of months having my first... I think it was something simple like blueberries mm-hmm. and the rush I got at the You're gym. Like, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think like I had three pre-workouts. I don't take yeah. pre-workout, but that's yeah. what I feel like.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So then I, I started having more fruit and meat. And then and then I just really started listening. Mm-hmm. Um I had a potato,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it sounds so silly, but I had this potato, and I remember feeling so giddy mm. after eating and laughing, and just mm-hmm. feeling so good after this potato. And I used to eat potatoes all the time,
0: and never felt that. <laughs>
1: um, actually, yeah, no. I, I it was oh. one thing I felt really good on, and I okay. remember saying that, you know, back. Colombia, and pretty much my i ate twice a day and my mm-hmm. first meal was potatoes and eggs
2: mm. but then when
1: i learned about oxalates i was like mm-hmm. oh you know i maybe shouldn't be having these potatoes right, but right. again it depends on how you're cooking the potatoes right so now i cu- i boil them strain them and then i'll fry them
2: gotcha. and
1: it reduces the oxalates yeah oh, and i yeah. feel really good having the potatoes and yeah. i find i'll have that around my cycle so Mm -hmm. about a week before my period Mm -hmm. I will or the bleed week Mm -hmm. I will have some more potatoes I'll have squashes have a bit more citrus fruits Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. just kind of seeing the effect um because all the cravings that I used to have they've kind of gone away like when you listen right yep
0: when you give your body what it needs yeah I I think that's a beautiful um you know sort of description of intuitive eating and intuitive eating is not simple because we have a lot of messages coming from us but it is the the work the healing work that we do on our bodies does actually get us more in touch with our body's needs if we're you know up for listening and not trying to like control the situation
1: (laughs) definitely yeah and the other thing that I find has really made an impact is I'll eat a few pieces of raw liver every mm.
0: day. Okay. I was going to ask you if you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So it's the, I honestly prefer the taste over cooked liver. Okay. Um, and Oof. I said this rush after eating it, Interesting. um, it feels good for me Yeah, and I find it's, it's kind of become my multivitamin. So mm-hmm. I store it in the freezer and then I take a couple pieces out every single day mm-hmm. and I'll just eat that kind of before, or after breakfast. And it's, that I was think the trick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just really upping the nutrient um, value. And then I also try to have, and kind of for the last two years, I've been having some sort of soup or broth mm. every single day. And There's something about eating a homemade soup Mm -hmm. that just feels so healing.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, You're getting so many nutrients from it, right? I mean, it's just so nutritious and easy to digest.
1: Yes, Mm bioavailable. You're getting all of the nutrients that you really need.
0: Yeah, Um, though I will put a little caveat with the histamine issue. You do have to watch out sometimes for bone broths. Um, if people are having the histamine, so, you know, again, bioindividuality, right. And figuring out what works for you.
1: Definitely. And actually the gaps, um, protocol, which mm-hmm. is, um, primarily based around soups. They're mm-hmm. very specific on that. You mm-hmm. do not have bone broths. Mm. um and also the minerals if your gut lining is not in a good state Mm -hmm. it can the minerals from the bone broth can Mm -hmm. actually be quite irritating Mm. so it's very specific in the Mm -hmm. sense that you're only cooking the broth for a few hours um and then i think that would also limit the histamine Reaction. reaction yeah
2: yeah
0: yeah Um, So we got to wrap it up soon, but I did want to talk just a little bit about, because we we talked about this before we got on, this connection you've seen um, in doing pelvic floor therapy with people being vegetarian.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so this is anecdotal. Mm -hmm. I'll put that caveat in there. But Mm -hmm. when I moved to Vancouver for the two years, there was a huge push I was seeing with all of the clients I was working with as a physiotherapist mm-hmm. to become vegetarian. And I actually myself had become vegetarian, which is where the mango spinach smoothies
0: came from. <laughs>
1: came from. <laughs> came from yeah. yeah. And what I was noticing is a lot of women coming into my practice with a similar presentation kind of chronic irritation or inflammation right around their SI joint, low
2: back. Mm -hmm.
1: And they would be always pointing to the spine, kind of where their pelvis was. Mm -hmm. And when, in some of the cases, I would ask them, you know, what their diet was like. And a lot of them had said they had recently become vegetarian. And not to say that there's something wrong with being vegetarian, but having that knowledge base on what foods do what on the body and mm-hmm. be rotating up the foods. Mm-hmm. And a few of them, when I sent them back to their the doctor, it turned out they did have an underlying bladder infection. And when they started to cut down on the oxalates, yeah, when they started to cut down on the oxalates, their low back pain, kind of SI joint pain, Substantially, in some cases, diminish
2: completely.
0: Wow, wow.
1: Um, yeah. And actually, thinking back on it, I had a similar symptom, where it was just that constant low, low-grade pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had gone as far as doing even prolotherapy. And I remember mm. after doing the GAPS diet for a few months i felt like i had a new spine
0: mm, interesting yeah
1: and i remember sitting on the pier and kind of cross-legged and was like wow like i haven't been able to sit like a kid with my spine in years
2: mm, Interesting. and, and i'm yeah, well.
1: you know just under 30
2: yeah
0: so that's
1: not normal that's, yeah 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 shouldn't be the case yeah absolutely
0: um, wow yeah. power of diet i mean i see it I see it all the time in, you know, working with clients, um, particularly like we do, you know, some food sensitivities testing alongside uh, the GI map often. And, you know, um, I mean, food sensitivities, these foods aren't meant to be out for the long haul. Same thing that we're talking about, right? It's just to help sort of bring down that inflammatory response for a period of time while you're working on healing that gut lining because really the food sensitivities come down to a leaky gut situation, you know, but like how the joint pain goes away, you know, how these like random things that people have had for years, suddenly they don't have, you know, so it's, it's just, it's so fascinating, right? Because, you know, I try and always remind people like the body wants to work correctly, you know, it wants to work well and be healthy and, it's, it's always trying, like all of these things that are coming up are just letting you know that there's an imbalance happening. So it's just like, let's figure out what this imbalance is. And sometimes it takes a little bit, I mean, of trial and error. That's just unfortunately the way it is, you know, but, um, luckily we do have some of these tests and everything that can really help in the guidance of which way to go. So one last thing before we head off, um, You said that there was mold issues alongside the oxalates for you. So did you also end up having to work on detoxing mold too at the same time?
1: Yeah. And it was through the oats test Mm -hmm. that it shown up the higher levels of mold toxicity. Mm -hmm. And it made sense given just that chronic fatigue, even though I was doing the diets, Mm -hmm. I wasn't seeing I wasn't getting to the other side Mm -hmm. I still felt really awful actually Mm -hmm. um but it was good because I learned through the diets and definitely now I've moved back to Edmonton just to kind of reset my nervous system Mm -hmm. I've been doing saunas every day to detox from the mold and Mm -hmm. I listened to the podcast you had about mold and Mm -hmm. I definitely related it's one of those things it takes years right for your body to kind of just return back to balance again yeah and those consistent practices really do pay off
0: yeah absolutely
1: yeah and then supporting myself with really nutrient-rich foods Mm -hmm. constantly you know with every meal trying to think of okay what's the how can I maximize nutrients and bioavailability Mm -hmm. of nutrients Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: then Yeah. Working, doing the saunas regularly, moving my body, breathing.
0: Yeah. I love it. Yes. The mold thing is definitely, you know, I'm seeing it more and more in my practice. I've talked about this on the podcast before. It's, it's a tough one because our homes are kind of (laughs) built for mold to easily grow. And, you know, I mean, I live in Asheville, North Carolina, which is just moderate rainforest, you know? And so Um, you know, particularly if you're kind of doing all the things and things aren't working and you're still struggling, particularly like with fatigue and things like that, it's like looking, it's worth looking into the mold possibility.
1: For sure. And I find it interesting because you can take two different people and put them in the same environment, but they're going to react
0: differently to it.
1: Yeah. And I think it speaks to, of course there's, you know, some genetics that play a role, but what was your toxic load? And I think coming, you know, when I moved, my toxic load was already quite high. Mm -hmm. And the history of using multiple antibiotics did not help. So then you put somebody in an environment where there is elevated mold, not to say that that's toxic for everybody. But when the cup is already so full, your body is unable to detox properly and then things start backing up and it lets you know. And that's, that's the beautiful thing is rather than getting frustrated or, and at times of course it can be easy to, but listening to those signals and thanking our bodies for telling us and sending that message so (laughs) that we can work with it too.
0: Absolutely. absolutely good health. yes so true oh such a good conversation with you today so thank you so much for sharing all of that it was personal so experience. lovely
1: <laughs> uh, so you can find me most actively on instagram my Instagram's naturally dot eliza e-l-i-z-a okay. and my website is www.ehwellness.co and I am taking clients right now for kind of nutrition and lifestyle consulting. So if it is something that you're, I spoke to you and you would like to learn more, I do have free discovery calls on my website.
0: Awesome. Perfect. Um, well, thank you again for being with us today. And I'm so happy that you were here with us today. Um, and I will see you guys next time.